This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, the world beyond. All right, mister. What's this golem you've been talking about? It's a body without a soul. Made out of mud? Pretty much. Mud and sticks. Formed in the shape of a man and brought to life through the incantations of special magical formulas. You're not serious, are you? In Hebrew folklore in the Middle Ages, mystics, uh, rabbis who used the Kabbalah, which your brother had here on the desk, were thought to be able to create these creatures. And you believe that? Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast with a connection to the dead. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'll tell you what's real. Mud pies don't go around killing dogs and people. (laughs) Well, that's true. They don't, those mud pies. (laughs) Unless they're a golem. Yes, it's uh, it's TV movie week this week, and we're watching the 1978 CBS pilot for The World Beyond. Jordan, did you notice this was actually the second pilot for this uh, series? I saw that, yeah. There, so there was a pilot that came out. I think it was, this came out in April, and I think the original one came out in January. Um, uh, oh, no, sorry. This came out in January, and the original came out in April, excuse me, called World of Darkness. So they had two kicks at the can. CBS thought, this is... We really want you to see if this can be a series. And they tried it twice, and people said, no, no, we don't want it to be a series. It's interesting, too, because it's not even like a retool. It's like a direct sequel. It, you know what it's it's like is uh, in, in multiple ways. It's a little bit like the pilots for Kolchak. Mm, that's a good point. I mean, those were actual full TV movies. But, yeah, they're just like, let's just see if this paranormal investigator has some legs. And, and we've said this before, but man, do they love a paranormal investigators in the 1970s, huh? They really did. I, due to our own poor research on this podcast, I had no idea that there was a prequel. Though I, I looked into it to see if I could track it down to see if I could add it to our list to go back to at some point. But I can't find a copy of World of Darkness anywhere. So I think we just watched the only existing like version of this TV show. You know what, though? Uh, and we'll go through it, obviously. But the opening of this really gives you all you need. Because we're going to find out very quickly when we get into this that he's a sports reporter, I think it is, who had some accident. Yeah, and he now, was baffled, um, Jordan. He got a quick he was baffled. baffled. Yeah, yeah. Just like Leonard Duboy was a race car driver, this guy's a sports writer, and he has an accident. He's dead for, I think it's two and a half minutes, something to that effect. And now um, ghosts can uh, sort of speak to him and compel him to solve cases. And you're like, all right, I'm in. That's a pretty good setup. And that's really all you need to know. And they get that out of the way like in a minute. And I didn't, it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I need more of this origin story. I was like, I get it. Yeah, yeah. They didn't need a whole premise pilot where they explain it. No. I was like, ah, I see ghosts that tell me to do stuff. Let's go on an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Like this did feel like it was episode three or four of a show, but I was fine with it. Yeah, I mean, no, there was no great loss. Uh, so a little background information on Jordan. It was written and created by Art Wallace, who uh, developed the cult vampire show Dark Shadows with the creator mm. Dan Curtis? Um, and I was just like, "What is that?" I was like, "What does that mean? Like, how does it, how did he develop it?" So I like dug a little deeper into the Wikipedia, and it said that Dan Curtis had a dream, and then Art Wallace was hired to create a story out of that dream. Oh wow! And that was the I mean, that's one way to make Shadows. a show. <laughs> and it and it ran for like uh, what is it five six years, and they made like thousands of episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it's. Truly epic uh, series, I'm told. Mm-hmm. 
but it also stars Joe Beth Williams of Poltergeist fame. This this uh, particular pilot. Mm-hmm. And I saw, and I forgot to look it up. I saw one thing that said this was her first credit. I don't think it is. Maybe it's her first major credit, but uh, I recognized her right away. It's funny. I only watched Poltergeist like a couple months ago for the first time. <laughs> how'd you th- how'd you th- uh, like it? That was really good. I didn't realize quite what it was. I mean, I knew what it was in theory, but when I watched it, I'm just like, oh, this is just like a lost uh, Spielberg film from his, like, you know, that era where he's most best known for. It's a uh, Craig G. Nelson, and he's like, you didn't move the bodies, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was fun to see. I was like, I know this lady. And of course, Jordan, it was filmed in Canada. That's right. Yeah, I saw it was filmed in uh, uh, Gananoque, right? Yeah, it's. Like, just down the street from you. <laughs> yeah, it's not far. And uh, um, it's funny because uh, they, they um, it plays for the East Coast. I think it's Maine it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, and there's a reason why they need it, because they need to be on the ocean. But it's so clearly just, like, like cottage country. Are you going to go do the uh, Beyond, Beyond World Beyond Tour this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I could. I should go do it. I'm sure they'll take you out on a bus, show you all the sights. <laughs> And like, there's where a mud monster was. You can see the dock where they met the man with the boat <laughs> called Lover. That's right. Where did the dog bite the guy? Right over there. <laughs> well, it was broadcast on January 21st, 1978. And uh, Jordan, there were two other continuing reg series that were on the air at the same time. This was uh, this was uh, being broadcast. Can you can you figure them out? Was Quark on at that time? It was Quark. Yeah. And there's two shows that were on. Yeah, that should that should tell you what the second one was. Oh, uh, the second one. It should tell me. Yeah, yeah. Was it was it Kolchak? <laughs> nope, it was Quark and Come Home, Mrs. Noah. Oh, Come Home, Mrs. Noah. Oh, right, that's right. Yeah, they yeah. walk hand in hand together at all times. <laughs> um, what a time to be alive, huh? <laughs> it is very funny to me that those two sci-fi comedies were just running simultaneously, just on different sides of the ocean. <laughs> Well, it it is funny that um, just whatever is in uh, the cultures at the time, and like we sort of uh, uh, mentioned earlier, this has shades of some other things we've seen. Like, obviously, it's got a very similar kind of premise to Baffled, which is something we watched years ago. It's a little bit like Spectre, and a little bit, and and of course, like as we mentioned, Kolchak. It has, I think, elements of that. Now, the lead of this is nothing like Kolchak, but I think the basic premise of the show would have been similar yeah it's uh it certainly feels like it's of a time where people were trying to crack the code around this particular type of show yeah they're like guys we want it to be a little bit scary we want it to be kind of a monster of the week and we want the lead to have had some sort of horrific injury that gives him special powers yeah he needs a brain injury that's for sure (laughs) yeah you either you either end up talking to the dead or you end up having superpowers well here's the imdb summary for the world beyond a golem made of mud terrorizes a couple on a remote main island i mean you know what i'll say that that's about as succinct as this movie is because if this movie is nothing if not uh uh, uh kind of quick they don't they don't waste a lot of time with stuff no 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 this is a very pithy movie let's get to it let's get moving <laughs> exactly um, and yes, as you said, the pilot starts with an explainer around our hero, Paul Taylor, and his connection to the supernatural. He's a sports writer. He was born in Minnesota, but he's living in New York City, and he's working <laughs> on a book about skydiving right now. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. We, we see him after a horrific motorcycle accident where, as you said, he, he dies canonically for, uh, or clinically he dies canonically, I guess both those things. He dies for two minutes and 37 seconds, um, in which we see him floating in a black void full of mist, shirtless, wearing a pair of jeans. <laughs> no, I didn't look this up, but how long can you be, uh, excuse the term, how long can you be brain dead for? How oh, long can I, you be? I, I'm no doctor. I'm, I'm assuming it's two minutes and 40 seconds like he just was under <laughs> he just he just he snuck in under the line you know what i don't yeah. really know actually i'm not sure what the what the le- uh legality the medicality it just, of it is the the number was so specific it, it led me to believe that they wanted to like it was the one thing they did research on to make sure that you know he wasn't coming out and he was like you know having trouble with math after you know well you have to know the first pilot world of darkness probably was 90 percent <laughs> uh the hospital and then 10 percent of mystery <laughs> that's right yeah you're probably right Anyway, this has left him with a connection to the dead because he's seen the other side and uh, they the dead now appear to him and sort of give him little missions. And they're like, you must go protect this person. It seems like it's always protection jobs, basically. Yeah. And now let me ask you this, because we're going to see how this sort of works. And, and what we see is we're going to see a guy who's got like a mustache and he's sort of going to it's like a, a spectral image he's going to kind of get projected up and he's going to go like, uh, help this person. You have to go. And again, as you said, he's compelled. I thought it was going to be a little bit more um, like the ghosts were going to help him along the way. Do you know what I mean? Like they were going to be like, like psst, over there, but maybe that's too leading too much into the comedy unintentionally, you know? Well, I'll say this. The ghosts are pretty functional in this. Like with the ghosts we see, it just appears on a black background. Like when he dies, they don't have any good idea for like what the ghosts look like. They just look like mm. an average middle-aged man just standing with no makeup effects on so there's really no reason to like use the ghosts because they're not that exciting to look at they're just like a guy but it is interesting you said functional because that is really what it is they just function to uh propel the plot forward they're not going to be uh really involved at all and i don't know if that was uh similar for the first pilot and and they were retooling it or that's just what they want the show to be it's sort of like they send you off and then it's all um uh what's his name paul Taylor. Paul Taylor. Yeah, sorry. You know, clearly not where they want to spend their special effects budget, so they don't they don't dwell on it. He, he's uh, this ghost tells him to head to Logan's Island to protect a Marion Faber. So very quickly we cut. He's arrived in Maine. He's he's finding a local boatman at the uh, docks to take him mm-hmm. over to Faber's Island. It, it's uh, or Logan's Island. It's it's all moves along very quickly. And I love this this old man who runs this boat. He's just like, yeah, I'll take you over there, but it's one way, and it's going to cost you fifteen twenty four. Yeah, it is a it was a kind of weird scene because uh, funny scene I should say where he's just like, why is it in twenty four cents? And the guy's like, why not? Like I can do it. He's like, good good point, I guess. And I'm like, well, they're both right. They both <laughs> they both make perfect sense. But this guy's name Andy Borchard. He's the uh, only the boat in town, Jordan. You're gonna pay what he tells you to pay. Yeah, it's right. So, so and uh, and so he's basically. Like, I need to go over this island and uh, to see. He's like, I, I got to go over and see. They're like, oh, there's like to see the Fabers. And just then, uh, Marion Faber, who's the brother of the guy who's like compelled her, uh, she shows up just coincidentally to also take the same boat. Although I didn't see her paying. I noticed. Well, he she'd been there earlier. She'd already re- made arrangements to go over. He's. He's got two. He's got two passengers. He says we got to wait for the second one, and you know it just conveniently is Mary in favor. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's uh, uh, Joe Beth Williams, uh, and I I don't know if I think you know right off the bat that it's the the, the sister, right? 
Yeah, absolutely, because he knows that's who he's come to take care of. And, like, the whole thing is the reason it costs so much, the reason so few people head over, there's only one boat that does it, is there's only two homes on the island. None of them have any power, and um, it's not really a place people go to that frequently. And I should say it's interesting because clearly he's only compelled by people who have passed away because they're ghosts. So when she he first meets her, she's like, I'm going over to see my brother. And he, he doesn't even give one of those lead up, pull his collar, like, ooh. He's just like, yeah, me too. And yeah. she's like, do you get a letter? He's like, yep. And it's weird because he kind of does a little bit of dance, but he also doesn't. It's just like he doesn't bother to explain. He's like, don't worry, this will work itself out later. Well, he kind of does because Marion says, you know, I got this letter from my bro- my estranged brother to come visit him. And when she's yeah. just like, are you going to see my brother because he sent you a letter too? Uh, Paul's answer is, what does he look like? <laughs> That's right. She's like, and, and she's like, she's like, 30 years old mustache thing and the first thing i thought was that guy's 30 years old because the movie from the <laughs> 70s and every single person looks 55 years old it is great you, i love watching things from this period when they're just like i'm 35 and i'm like well you look 20 to 30 years older than that <laughs> but that's that's sort of what happens she, he's just like what's she look like he de- she describes her brother to him and then paul's just like yeah yeah that's the guy who sent me the message <laughs> he has <laughs> no further questions <laughs> It it is funny. This I don't think this is um, it's not that it's it, this is badly written. It's not you know it's not uh, Shakespeare here. But they do uh, just wave away a lot of stuff that they don't want to spend time on. And I I do have some respect for that. They don't like the, you know they weren't sitting in a writer's room going oh how do we have this make sense? How do we have this awkward thing? They're just like she has no follow up questions. Done. Move on. Let's get to the <laughs> island. And I'm like, great, good, good, good. Yes, they pull into the boathouse on the island for the uh, Faber place, and uh, as they pull in, they see the brother's speedboat has sunk to the bottom of the boathouse. So he clearly had no way to get off the island. And um, when the boatman tries to like you know get off the boat, and he's he's got a dog with him this whole time. The boatman's like brought his dog with him. Very cute little dog, big pointy ears. You can't help but mm-hmm. like this dog. But he tries to get the dog to leave the boat. The dog's obviously quite freaked out. There's something wrong with this island. And the dog just tears into this man's arm, just tears it to shreds. Yeah, it's it's you don't really see the violence, but the end result is way more violent than you would think. It's like the guy's arms like pouring with blood, and then he's just like he keeps going. He's like, he's, it's the nicest dog. Why would it do that? It is very funny. A fairly bloodless movie, except for that one cutaway to just like a really mangled arm. <laughs> so, uh, so we you get the sense. Um, that something's not right. Obviously, if you haven't caught the sense of the ghost already, you get the sense that something is not right on this island. And I have to say, this movie does do a pretty good job of setting the atmosphere. This is clearly a low-budget movie. They're doing a lot of, like, dimming uh, uh, the light here to make it look like it's night when they're shooting in day. Um, And there's a lot of... It's a very small cast in a very um, contained area. I I think they do a pretty good well of, of ratcheting the tension. And if... Any of the reviews that I've seen of people who watch this movie, apparently any child who watched this movie in 1977 was terrified for life. Every single comment (laughs) is just like, this was the scariest movie I've ever seen. This is the scariest movie I've ever seen. So it it had to at least have been very effective at the time. Yeah, a real cabin in the woods style thing because they take the boatman up to the Faber house to bandage his wounds and, you know, of course, get him a whiskey for his parched gullet. (laughs) That's right. He does say gullet and, and people don't say that enough. They don't say gullet. It's true. You're all, you should be walking around being like, I need a, I need a tea for this gullet right here. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, as they get to the uh, house, they notice something's a little odd at the old Faber place. Uh, you know, the doors are covered in mud. The windows have been boarded up. And uh, the brother sure had a lot of books about spells and incantations <laughs> laying around. <laughs> that's that's the sign right now, right away, where you know what kind of movie this is going to be. Because everything on his bookshelf is sort of like 
for for lack of a better term, it's sort of about spells and witchcraft and like, like you said, incantations. So you're just like, uh, oh, he was doing something sketchy. But then the key element that I think has caused all these nightmares, and I, I think is probably the most effective part of the of the uh, show kicks in, and it is a strange howling noise that sort of fills mm-hmm. the air that will basically fill the soundtrack for much of the rest of the movie. It's, it's a very, very effective, very creepy, unnerving, like just howling that just sort of fills, fills the soundscape of this movie. Um, and I was like, oh, this is kind of scary, and only just because of the howling. You're right, because... Because, and this is hopefully not uh, um, spoiling things, but you see very little in this. And they kind of save what we're going to find out is uh, the source of the problem at the end of this movie. Um, The other name for this was called the Mud Monster. So, I mean, you can figure it out. But, um, yes, this sort of, like, howling and growling and moaning. It's this weird, very otherworldly noise that just, like, is going through the trees and around them at all times. You're just like, yeah, this is spooky. Yeah, it's very oppressively in the soundtrack. Like you, you really have to like live with this thing that's like haunting them, which I think is what kind of makes it so effective. Yeah, and they do sort of do um, like what I, I wrote down is like early Sam Sam Raimi sort of like uh, footage of like handheld of the of the POV. Um, the POV of this monster sort of going through the forest, and I was like, again, pretty good. You get the sense something creepy is out there, something. Um, uh, perhaps malevolent for something that's a little scary and it's done this damage. And I think that was all very well done yeah, for, and they, for, they, for very cheap. And they soon hear the howling of the dog from the boat as well. So they, they race out to the boat to find the dog has been killed and uh, transformed into a rather cheap children's stuffed animal in his corpse form. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was something I thought they probably wouldn't do that today. Um, even though it's, it's clearly not the same dog um but to have the uh dog be killed right away is something i feel i was like well it's it's the 70s (laughs) i mean it lets you know something bad's on that island yeah yeah and it it, it has broken the dog's neck that's what they say but the 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 monster the mud monster this this thing will come to see later uh, it has also lifted the boat out of the dock turned it on its side and destroyed it so the boat is like completely destroyed in a way that like the the hulk would have done (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, you know that there's something creepy, there's making noises, it's violent, and it's now killed um, an animal. Also, it has very strong, or quite amount of strength to be able to do this sort of damage to the boat. And our heroes now are obviously quite freaked out. So Paul's asking, like, you know, what's the deal with your brother, Marion? And she sort of talks about how, you know, he's, <laughs> he dropped out of law school. He was always inter- interested in the occult and magic and, like, other ways of thinking. He's, like, traveled the world learning about it. And, um, the uh, of course... The boatman's like, his reputation is he's the local nut. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I thought that was good. That That is what it would be. This is a very small, uh, it looks like a little village. And the, what, there's some weird guy who's always probably going around to the world and then coming back with a weird, uh, or seemingly weird artifacts of some sort and talking about things that are not, you know, things the locals normally talk about. Of course he'd be the local weirdo. So they're just like, well, we should just, you know, get off this island. So let's let's walk across the island. Let's visit the only neighbor here, Sam Parker, and see if his boat's available to take us back. And, you know, they, they do a little walk, and we get to see a little bit of the island. And along the way, they, they find a hole shaped like a human figure, but, like, you know, more like a stick figure if you had, like, dug it in, like, an inch of ground. <laughs> it's, it's funny because cause what we're going to learn is that this is the mud monster, and this is where the mud monster came from. Obviously, the brother was playing with these incantations and has created some sort of uh, golem 
type of monster that has it's backfired and it's become violent and is attacking that's very clear from the beginning what's happening but <laughs> the amount of effort that was made to like carve the body shape of what this golem was is is funny it's like a child did it and, and as you said too it's like maybe an inch it's like they just took the grass off it's it's it was very funny yeah, it is, it is parody movie level uh, showing you. It's like, hey, it just climbed out of the ground fully formed. <laughs> and, it's, and it's also because it's like in that kind of like snow angel or like like lens. Like, exactly. You know, it's like the arms are out, the legs are out. It just was funny. Um, and of course, along the way, they also find Marion's dead brother whose head is just sticking out of the ground. I guess the mud monster at some point had buried him up to the neck in the mud. They never come back to explaining why yeah. the mud monster would do that, but they it's a fun shot of just a head in the ground. At first, I thought his head had been ripped off. Me too. And it was just that, that effect. And then, what it is is, yeah, for no reason, he dug a hole, put him in, and said, but I'll leave your head off. I, I guess maybe as some sort of form of torture. But but later on, I think there's a, a scene where uh, Marion and Paul are talking, and she's like, we should bury your brother. He's like, there's no time. And I want to say, Paul... It's going to take five minutes. He's already 95% buried. It's just his head left. Just put yeah, a leaf put on it. some mud over top of that. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they arrive at Sam Parker's house, and they, they hear some gunshots in the woods, and they see that Parker's boat has also been sunk. They look out into the bay, and it's also, mm-hmm. like, sunk, so there's there's no boats off this island. And then the uh, neighbor, Sam Parker, stumbles out of the woods. He's mortally wounded, but before he dies, he's able to, he's able to sort of whisper. It's like, bullets don't work. And uh, also, uh, your brother, he made the monster out of mud and sticks. I'm going to die now. <laughs> okay, so Luke, you've been attacked by a monster, and you're crawling through the woods, and I find you. What's the last thing you say? What, what, what is, what's the bit of information you're going to give me? Or do you have something like poignant to say to me? To keep you alive. <laughs> yeah, to keep you alive. What, do you, what would you say? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be like, uh, the podcast can't go on without me. End it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say I'd crawl through, and I'd be like, um, it wasn't me that pooped my pants. <laughs> it was the mud monster. It took off my pants. It pooped in them, and then it put them back on me. Yes, that. please tell people. And then I die. <laughs> anyway, what I really like about this is he he climbs out of the woods. He dies. He kind of gives them the explanation for the brother made, a, made something out of mud, and it's killing everybody. And it's invulnerable, <laughs> basically. And this, this show, it, it just, like, knows when it doesn't have time. So Paul immediately is just like, oh, it's a golem. He just announces yeah. to everyone. He's like, it's a golem. I know all about them. They're uh, soulless bodies that wander the earth. They were uh, created from Hebrew mythology. Uh, I know all about them. Don't worry, but I don't need to do any research. I can tell you exactly what we're facing here. It's a golem. Yeah. And uh, that's the scene that kind of reminded me of Spectre, um, which was a TV movie we watched a little while ago. Um, they spent a lot more time in sort of like, going through finding the books and kind of trying to build this this mythology about what these monsters could be or whatever whatever it is these creatures but this one here right he's just like it's a golem anyways guys let's keep going but you know what i like is they never explain once why the brother did it they're just like he's weird and he likes trying stuff i'm like but why would he have what did he think was gonna happen like he thought he was gonna have a, a card player someone to like go boating with yeah, no, no explanation for what or why. He just, he just did it, yeah. and now it's killing he everybody. He just did it. <laughs> so he sort of got what he deserved, which is to be buried up to his neck. Well, I mean, that's my question, too. Did he write a letter to his sister to come see his new golem, or is it just a coincidence? <laughs> you know what's funny? I didn't think about that. Because, yes, because clearly his hands aren't uh, available because they're underground. So he must have said, I've created this great thing. You should come see it. And then, I guess, the thing, they had a falling out. And... and <laughs> 
<laughs> and then, but unfortunately, that time period when it took to mail the letter, because it wasn't like he, uh, you know, he didn't get buried and then write the letter. That's true. He had to take a ship all the way back and mail it. So it was a long period of time that it was required. Yeah, it was just, it was just, it's tough living with roommates sometimes. We all, we've all been there, you know? <laughs> At any rate, they all retreat back to the original Faber place to figure out what to do as, as night falls. And, and Paul basically is just like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time. I'm going to read these books, see if I can find some way to stop in the Gollum. Everyone else is kind of just like, mm, we don't really believe in Gollums. We haven't seen one yet. We know a lot of people are dying. A lot of boats are sh- shaking. So the boatman's like, mm, I think I'm going to go back to my wrecked boat and just try to call the Coast Guard. And let me just stop you right there. What do you think of Paul as our lead? Because he's not, he's not, we, we've seen a lot of these kind of shows. He's not your kind of lead uh, where he's sort of like immediately women love him and he's just good at things because he's a white heterosexual male. But he's also very confident. Uh, he's sort of unflappable. Um, he's clearly a learned man. But w- what do you think of him as a lead? Like, do you think if this show had been picked up, he would be an engaging person to watch week to week? I'm not sure. He's a pretty blank slate. It's not that he's unlikable or particularly likable. He's just kind of just like, he's just like, you feel like, oh, I'm just like him. That's all it is. It's just like, he's just like a mm. guy. He's just a guy and he has almost no personality traits. Do you think that's what it is? So he's supposed to be just everyday Joe. He's like, it could be like you. If you uh, almost died and, and saw ghosts, you'd be like this guy. Yeah, I guess so. It's just uh, odd. There is a little bit of like, uh, you know, cool job writing sports writer, got a book on the go about skydiving thing to it. (laughs) But it has so little to do with anything that it's just kind of like it's just information that more than it is like important. Do you think um, when we watch Baffled, the Leonard Nimoy uh, sports car psychic, you know, let's say you put him in this movie. Would it be the exact same movie? I think it's similar movie. Uh, just maybe with Leonard Nimoy, you just have a little more charisma, it's, which is a weird. I never think of Leonard Nimoy as a man full of charisma, but I, by comparing the two, I would say yes, he's full of charisma. Mm. Hmm. Anyways, I'm just, just, just. It's interesting to see these sorts of things, Chris. There does you do see parallels when you start watching so many of these TV shows and and pilots. But I think I kind of felt the same way. I didn't really. He didn't bother me, but I wasn't like, yes, I need to see more adventures of Paul. Yeah, I didn't mind him. He was. It was kind of interesting because, yeah, you're right. He's not super suave. He's not this super charming guy who she immediately falls in love with. Like, that's not the case at all. He's just, he is just like an average guy just doing his best and like putting himself in harm's way, sort of. But he also just stumbling through it. Like, he came there knowing he was going to have to do some saving, but he also seems pretty much just to go with the flow. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You're right. He he does know what he's there for, but it's just like, he's like, I guess this thing will figure itself out. I've been here before at least one other pilot time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll get back to the plot where uh, the boatman's just like, I don't buy this hooey. I'm going out. I'm going to go use my radio and call for help. And of course, you know, he leaves to do that immediately killed by the golem. He's just dead immediately. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I can't remember at this point if, if the golem had attacked the cabin yet. Had they? Had there, like, because we we're going to have a few scenes. No, they still hadn't seen it. That's why he was just like, I don't believe there's right. a golem. I don't believe But I it. think it's probably a mistake at all times, always, right? You don't want to split up. You don't want it to go out by yourself at dark to a boat that's already been attacked once. Yeah, I mean, it's a mistake. I, I found this very funny because the two other characters, um, Mary and, and uh, Paul, they like they're like, well, be careful when you go out there. We'll check up on you in you know twenty minutes or something. Like they, they let him go fairly easily, even though Paul obviously knows there's a monster out there. And they're like, we'll we'll follow up. He's he, let's give him a chance to cool off. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, when he doesn't return, 
Paul's like, I better, I better go check on him, uh, you know, just to be sure. And it, one of my favorite scenes of the movies is like, I'll be right back. And he opens the door to the cabin, and the golem's just standing at the door, like it's just standing in the door frame. <laughs> well, I like it. It was a thing where if this had a different tone, it would be like a comedy thing, right? He opens the door, and it's like he's like, ooh, but it's it's not what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. You know, they do a little scene, the golem sticks his arm in, so they slam the door on the golem's arm, and it gets severed, so this mud arm hits the floor. And, yeah. you know, we're all expecting it, because we know what kind of movie it is, but they, they immediately start, like, touching the mud arm, being like, oh, look at this, a mud arm. Jumps up, it grabs Marion by the throat and is choking her, and they, uh, yeah. you know, real rookie mistake, and they pull it off her throat, <laughs> throw it across the room, and, uh, you know, much like you said, like, very Sam Raimi, very Evil Dead, the arm gets up and then crawls away into the basement by itself. <laughs> Yeah, I like that for a good chunk of this movie, the hand is the big villain. That's what they're worried about is this mud hand. I mean, it's very funny. It definitely has an Evil Dead feel because, like, just like yeah. that movie, midway through, a hand is severed and it becomes the villain for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does feel uh, – there was parts where I was like, I wonder if Sam Raimi uh, watched this before he made that, you know? It was in the <laughs> back of his mind maybe. Now, with us all happened, there's trapped inside. There's an arm in the basement. They do what anyone would do. Let's stop, take a little break, let's have some whiskey, let's have a quick drink of whiskey, calm down a little. It's funny, my note right at this point is, it's now officially started to drag. Up to this point, it was like, boom, boom, boom. And I think what it is, is because of the limitations that they have, they have the cabin, they have the outside, they have the dock, that's pretty much all they can do. And they sort of need a couple beats, but they only have so much time and they know what they need to do for the last act. So this is just like a, let's take a breath, everyone. But it, it was, I felt it was the weakest part of the movie because of how everything, uh, there was such a propulsion and so so much momentum through this whole thing. And this little breath, I was like, just take this part out. I want, I want to just like be on the edge of my seat the whole time. Well, they just forgot to set up a purpose, I think is the problem. And I think mm. if they had just been like, we have to wait till daylight and just like, at least right, like shot some right. scary sounds and they were like huddled up somewhere. But instead what it is, is we get two or two scenes, I think where they stop and like pour themselves a drink and just kind of like chill out and have a glass of whiskey and just chat about, you know, their lives and what's going on in them. It's, it's a real low key thing where also it's just like the seventies. So like, you got to stop, you got to get a little drunk, <laughs> just have, a you know, in the middle of a crisis. It is funny though, because it's like they do that moment and then boom, it's just at the door shaking the handle again trying to get in and it was just it is literally like let's just have a drink and then get back to exactly where we were two minutes ago yeah and that's what it is, is they are hearing the rustling of the arm in the basement and paul's just like well i better go check on that arm downstairs great he starts walking down the stairs into the basement the classic horror movie like step down one step step down one <laughs> another step and then the severed arm's just waiting on the staircase grabs him by the ankle and just like he trips and tumbles all the way down the stairs and then the severed arm's on his throat immediately <laughs> Yeah, and so it's a lot of seeds of it, like, kind of choking him. And I thought it actually looked pretty good. Like, it leaves mud on him. He's able to, like, like wrestle this hand as he should. He's got two. And uh, he throws it onto the ground, and it suddenly just, like, bursts into flames. And he's just as surprised as the audience is. It's like, what just happened? And then he does something that makes me laugh in TV, which is something I don't think you should do um, in most life, which is the hand is, is lit on fire, and then he... he puts his finger down and goes, what is it on? And puts his finger in it and then licks it to see what it was. And he's like, ah, it's, he says something. He goes, he's like salt, ordinary table salt, which is fine. You go, oh, this is its weakness. But like, you don't know what it was. What if it was rat poison? I mean, to be fair, while he was wrestling with the arm, he knocked over a, like a shelf of preserves 
And Fair. what he sees on the ground, I, why he needed to taste it doesn't make sense. Because it's literally a giant bag that says salt on the side <laughs> spilled out everywhere that he's like looking at him. He's like, I know what it is, Paul. I can read. <laughs> yeah. So he's determined from this that salt is the um, uh, its weakness. And I think later on he's like, and uh, I think, uh, what's her name? Marianne? Marianne. She, uh, yeah, she, she asks him, she's like, why salt? He's like, salt's like for your, like the soul. And they just like move on. I was like, sorry, what was that? Yes, <laughs> but, he gives but, a very ex- clear explanation. He comes up there, he say? like, salt kills it. And he says that in some religions and in cult rituals, salt represents the soul. You know, like how Lot's wife became a pillar of salt. <laughs> Those two things don't. Two things don't connect, but um, sure. But what I like though is they're consistent. He they give as much effort into that as they do did into how the golem is made. They're yeah. just like it's a mud man. Yeah, and then they're like, just like salt's got soul. Well, it is a <laughs> like, body sure. without a soul, so I guess giving it salt, which is a soul, causes it to explode. Yeah, or I give it some sort of other sort of sentience. But anyways, um, so he's like. With the next kind of scene while he's telling this, he's taking a big bag of salt and he's pouring it around the doorways. And I, I think, I'm assuming he puts it on some other places like windows and stuff. We don't see that, but I'm guessing the entrances to the house, he's trying to trying to ward it off. Yeah, he shores them up. They have another glass of whiskey. They have a little, <laughs> little break. And then Paul's like, you know what? I better go check on the boatman again. Yeah. And he goes, he goes to, <laughs> he goes to check on the boat. And now there was a part I didn't understand. We, uh, really quick he's gonna go look and he sees that there's big bags of salt that are under the water i'm i'm assuming no 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 see here here's here's what i knew i knew it was salt water i assumed that those were also bags of salt because the original guy who's now dead and was a ghost was trying to transport salt to another place to stop this guy is that what that was no you must have blinked and missed it he goes out to check on the radio and he finds the dead boatman. He uses the radio, immediately gets the Coast Guard on the radio. They're like, we're on our way. Just yeah. stay alive for a little bit. And Marion inside the house immediately gets menaced by the mud man. So she's supposed mm-hmm. to, she needs to run. She escapes. She also runs down to the boathouse. And as she gets into the boathouse, uh, Paul is getting out. And he has brought those bags with salt with him as protection. And he immediately just fumbles them and drops them in the lake. Oh, see, I did miss that part. I see. Okay. So they, they just do a shot. It's like, oops, we dropped the salt in the water. Like, it's the ocean. I'm sorry. He drops them in the ocean. And he's just like, we lost our only weapon. Right. Um, which is like, no, you didn't. It's you're on the ocean. It's full of salt. Come on, Paul. Well, that's it. Paul come, immediately comes up with a plan. He's just like, I've got this rope. Let's run into the woods. I'm going to make a little trip line along mm-hmm. the coast and i'm gonna lure the golem toward us which is exactly what he does and the, the golem chases him over trips over the rope <laughs> falls into the ocean and it immediately bursts into flames and then just like it looks like it suffers greatly because it just burns in that ocean for so long it's just like so on fire still alive still flailing around it is funny whatever the effect they had did uh had done to light something on on fire in the water goes on way longer than you think and they're clearly like just keep rolling just keep rolling on this thing because it's like it goes at least a couple beats longer than you think and i'm like oh this is i actually feel bad for this soulless creature <laughs> yeah it looks painful it does look painful and then of course as it as it sinks into the water paul quips and i used to think the ocean was too salty <laughs> 
I know. I don't know. I don't. It's it's just a funny thing. I'm like, wow, you sound like a fun person to play on vacation with there, Paul. It's just a very funny. They're like, we need a cool wisecrack. But that wisecrack is like, mm, the ocean's too salty for me. What's a better line? He could have been like, could have used pepper, too. Is that better? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Like All he right. wants to eat the eat the mud man. That's right. That's right. Um, anyway, we cut to the shore. They've got already got back from the island. They're back on the mainland. A coast guard is with them. Clearly, has picked them up from there. And this coast guard, no questions, believes everything that happened. Understands a golem is real. That it killed several people. And he's just like, "Thanks for telling me. Um, good information to know." And then the postcard's like, hey, what about this one massive plot hole in this entire movie? And I was just like, I hadn't thought about this plot hole, but this Coast Guard just is just like, hey, I noticed a big plot hole in the story you just told me. Yeah. Well, he, they go, they go. what are we going to, how are you going to, like, file your report? And he's like, I'm just going to file it as persons or persons unknown. I was like, okay, case closed? No, no, that's not the plot hole I'm talking about is the Coast Guard, they tell, he's like, I believe everything you said, it all makes sense. And then the Coast Guard says, but I don't really understand how the golem got into the water to wreck all those boats because if it was going to burst into flames. And I'm like, he's right. The golem couldn't have wrecked all those boats. Oh, I I didn't even hear that. I just, I was, I thought all he had said was that like, they're just waving it away, but I don't know, maybe it wore boots. No, well, that's the thing. He's just like, he pointed out a thing I hadn't thought about at all. He's just like, how did it get into the water to destroy all the boats if it was allergic to like salt water? And then Paul's just like, I don't know. I guess it was careful or something. I'm just like, what is this? Why are you pointing this out to me? I have to rewatch that. I don't even remember that. I mean, and if you think about it, sure, in the boathouse, maybe it could have sunk those two. But when they get to the neighbor's house, his boat is in the middle of a bay sunk to the bottom. Like, there's no way the golem got to Well, here's what he can use. He can probably use a shovel because he buried uh, the one guy. So he maybe he can also, like, use a gun or something. Maybe he, like, I don't know. He torched it somehow. Yeah, it's it was just very funny. I'm just like, why is this Coast Guard pointing out this thing that I probably shouldn't have been pointed out to the audience? Yeah, and then Marion's like, hey, maybe we should meet up sometime. And if he gets all funny, he's like, yeah, maybe. And she's like, well, where are you going to be? He's like, I'm in lots of places, okay? I mean, <laughs> I, I think it was a little sweeter than that. Like, they're like, let's go to, let's get together when we're in New York. We'll go on a date. We had a nice time. And Paul, uh, my reading was Paul was into it, and he's just like, uh, but, you know, I might be away on ghost business. I never know when a ghost is going to come along. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's it, and, that, and that's the whole movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a setup for more to come. Yeah. Which unfortunately there wasn't, but we will have to watch the prequel to see um, to see if it it, it, uh, it gives us a little more backstory with this world. I mean, if you can find it, we'll watch it. But I could not find it. I could not find a video of it anywhere. Yeah, maybe it's gone, gone to the ages. Well, Jordan, um, any final thoughts, or you want to just get into uh, writings? I mean, I just want to say, like, I I think for a low budget movie, I think this was pretty competently acted. It was pretty competently directed everything was effective and this kind of sense of dread coming. I mean, the ending was a little bit anticlimactic because I think they couldn't really show the mud monster too much because they knew it wasn't going to look so great, but it was like, it doesn't, it doesn't outstay its welcome. That's for sure. Like I wasn't bored at all during this and I was pretty invested in what was going to happen. So like, I think it's pretty good. So I'm going to give it a pretty decent score. What's that score? I'm, 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 I'm wavering with like, I kind of want to say seven and a half because I think it's not quite there. We're like, I don't know. I almost want to go with an eight because it was just like, I just, and really kind of enjoyed how just straightforward this was. So what, so what is it? What is it going to be? Okay. I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an eight. 
Can it go ahead? Give it an age. Wow. Yeah. A real, a real yeah. swing. I don't think you're wrong. It's it's fine. It's fine. I think the howling is kind of the most effective part. There's some cute scenes. Mm-hmm. I I think it ultimately though it just it's anemic. It just has not much going on. And it's kind of oh, like, I would I would agree with that. This and then this and then this. Uh, I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I'm gonna go just a six. I'm gonna. I think it's a five, but I'm going to bump it up because I do think there is some tension due to some of the like yeah. crazy like score or sound design they did. So I'm going to go six. Yeah. Yeah. My eight's just like, I just, it was an eight of enjoyment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just, I, I was just like, this thing it doesn't get bogged down at all. And it's like, it, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Anemic is a good way to say it because they really have one move, which is the thing's going to shake the doorknob. That's pretty much it. But as you also said, the, the moaning and the sort of wailing and that um, that slight ratcheting really makes a huge difference. And I can only imagine what this would be like if that wasn't in it. Can you imagine just looking at a poster like, this is terrible. This is just people walking around. Yeah, it would have been so so quiet and so weird uh, before yeah. the score went in um, or the, the sound design. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's one of the first times I can think of watching something for this podcast and being like, well, this movie had like $4,000. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It is so low budget. It's kind of like there's a few small set pieces like the destroyed boats that look like they were probably a little more expensive to do. But even the mud man doesn't look like he was very expensive to make it. It feels like watching a very low budget film. Yeah, it's almost like not really like a grindhouse movie because it doesn't really have that tone. But it does have that like we're going to do as much as we can with very little. And And again, is it great? No, but I think it's very effective for what they're trying to do, which is people in a cabin running around the woods a little bit um and they just don't get bogged down with <laughs> with trying to explain anything which i think for a movie that's as fast as this is and i should say pilot and for as simple as this is i just i think they just play to their strengths yeah i know for sure i mean considering cbs apparently threw no money at a pilot they were trying to make <laughs> yeah well that is weird why is it so low budget for a second kick like do you think the first one had a lot of money and they're like we'll let you do it one more time but for a tenth of the budget i i don't know it's just so odd too because i'm just like why are you doing this TV? like you're you're giving them none of the tools to succeed they're still doing way better than they should with it and also you're like and eh, we still don't want it. yeah <laughs> why why but, did you but, say yes to begin with and what do you, what do you think uh the world beyond or the mud man the working title what do you oh, like better world beyond's a great title it would a good series title yeah, I agree. I actually think it's better than World of Darkness, which was the original uh, pilot. I think that's a better title. The World Beyond is very good. Yeah, The World Beyond. Which I think, because I had to find more information, I was Googling it. I think World Beyond is maybe one of the Walking Dead spinoffs, maybe? Because, I mean, it's a good title. Yeah, I saw that, too. Because every time I was Googling, I'm like, no, I don't want to see that stupid thing. I want Mudman. <laughs> well... Jordan, that about wraps up for this episode. So it's time to get into some of our other business. The uh, bonus episodes for charity, which we talk about this this these days. It's uh, some of these series we watch. We either take the escape pod, don't get to watch all the episodes, or we're doing a best of. So we're only watching the top three episodes of each season, which leaves a lot of episodes of the series you don't watch. And um, sometimes listeners are like, "Hey, I, I would have liked to hear your thoughts." on uh, one of those episodes you missed. So we sort of put this initiative together, bonus episodes for charity. We've got a list of charities on our website as selected by past guests. You can find them all at continuumdreg.podbean.com or on social media. You can follow the links there on our, in our bios. And you can do a donation to charity, 
uh, and we'll go back, we'll watch one of the episodes of your choosing, and we'll do a little bonus episode for you. You can get all the information about that on the website, as I said, continuumdrag.podbean.com, or email us at continuumdrag, or mm, no, continuumdrag at gmail.com, there we go, and uh, we can give you more details on that, but that's the idea, there's you do a little donation to charity, um, and uh, we'll go back and do a bonus episode that we'll release on the feed for you. And on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, we're going to put some clips from uh, old World Beyond, See a mud man. See a mud arm. You see those things. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe that little scene of the clearly puppet dog. Yeah. Well, I'll see if I want to put a dog corpse up online. We'll find out. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? Remember we watched that weird Western uh, show where they ended up being witches? Yeah. Black Noon. Black Noon. Uh, remember they showed like a dead bird or something in it? It looked as good as it did in that movie. <laughs> well, you can find all these clips at Continue and Drags the Handle on our social media. So you can find those there. But that about wraps it up. So listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then. Continue and Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.